Awesome. What an inspiring story. Isn't it wonderful? I was just sitting there thinking, just hold it together, Kev. You're going to cry in a minute. And get all soft and emotional. <laughs> it's amazing just watching. I just love seeing um, what God does in people's lives. And we've so enjoyed having you guys over the summer. And um, it's, been a, it's been a pleasure seeing, um, seeing you bumped, uh, bumped into some of the guys at um, uh, Aloha's Engage at, um, uh, at the uh, um, Music Hall. And it was just so, so great seeing guys. And, and you know, and when, you, when you sort of meet people in these settings that, and, you know, you know that friendships are being formed and relationships. And even though um, you don't get time, um, during church, not just to have that chit chat or anything, there is a connection that goes on in the realm of spirit that that people's lives are being changed and healed. And, and we know that that as you guys have been coming, um, that God has done a, a wonderful a wonderful work in your lives. And we we um, just thank the Lord that we've had the pleasure of sharing that time with you. So fantastic thing, and a special welcome to. An old friend, George, uh, George Bain at the back. And uh, George, I haven't seen you for some years now, uh, but he, George is one of the first guys I ever met when we moved to the city in 1995. And uh, so, we, so we go back a long way. And uh, uh, he, jo- I always remember George just having a huge impact. We, we moved from the south of England to Aberdeen. And uh, so we, we move up, right? And we come from the soft south, right? And we move into, like, just... And it's a really cold winter, 95, 96. And, and we meet George, and, and all he ever seemed to wear was a T-shirt and a, and, and, and a leather sort of sleeveless vest thing. And he'd just walk up the street, and he's just never cold. He's just like this, this tank of a man just walking around, and I'm thinking, I just need to harden up. But you know what I mean? Here I am, coat, hood, scarf, you know... <laughs> Just and uh, so it's such a joy seeing you, George. You really are. You're a hero of the faith and a, a legend for what you've been doing in um, seeing guys saved and uh, and yeah. set free. And we really appreciate uh, appreciate you. And just it's a it's a real joy. Let's appreciate George. <laughs> Wonderful, fantastic. Um, Cheryl nicked um, the, my message this morning, uh, this evening. I, when she got up and she spoke about when life goes belly up. Uh, which is actually the title of my message. And uh, so uh, you were reading my notes, weren't you? And uh, (laughs) so, yeah, the title of my message is When Life Goes Belly Up. You know, there's always a moment in our lives uh, that despite all our good thoughts and good intentions and and plans, that, that life just seems to go belly up. Who knows what I'm talking about here? But there are these great sort of moments that you think... You've got it all sorted out, and then it just turns over. And, you know, most often those situations happen when you're least expecting it. it it's, it's right at the moment when you'll just stop and think to yourself, man, life is going good. And, and as you say those words, the wheels fall off the truck. <laughs> and, and I've experienced this on a, on a number of occasions, but, you know, there's this, there's this thing in life that we often fail to recognize the timings and the seasons of our own life, that when you're in the good times, it's very difficult to imagine the heart. And um, I, I always have a chuckle, um, Pastor Owen uh, Morris, um, our Inverness pastor, um, we were just talking and um, he was saying to me that 
Um, I've lost the thought of my story right there. I don't even know what Owen said to me. I was just thinking about Owen in Inverness, and I've no idea why I mentioned his name. So, moving on. <laughs> Life goes belly up. Oh, that's all I know. My message just went belly up right there. And, uh, <laughs> but what happens is that we can be thinking that life is going well and we're just celebrating everything. That's the story right there. It's come back to me. That, um, that when, when you, you get this vision and dream about what it is you're going to do and maybe you feel that God is speaking to you, that there's this sense that what I'm doing is the right thing. Never in your dreams do you dream bad times. You only ever imagine good times. It doesn't matter what plan you've got laid ahead, ahead of you, you're just thinking it's all, oh, this is it, this is going to be amazing. And you never ever put within your, unless of course you're seriously depressed. And uh, <laughs> there, 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 there is ministry for that too. But for most of us, we do not at any time plan for the hard times or think about the hard times. We just plan for the good. You know, I, I think about the... Um, the, the banking crisis that we had started in 2008 and um, a lot of people lost a lot of money, particularly investors who were buying houses and, and uh, renting them out and buying houses at peak prices. And uh, we, we have friends who, particularly down in the south of England where the houses are particularly overinflated and, and so they were buying at their peak time and then the, the stock market crashes, the, the banking crisis hits, no one can borrow any money and the, and the house prices start to crumble and, and everybody was riding on the good times. Nobody wanted to know that the market was going to crash. Um, even though way back in the early 2000s, in fact there's reports coming in 2005-06 that um, some very uh, experienced um, people in the finance industry were saying to the saying to the industry and the bank industry, look, this is going to crash. This whole thing's coming down. You can't, you can't keep doing this. You can't keep lending money like this. You can't keep the market going like that. The whole thing's... But nobody wants to listen because they're all having a good time. They're buying a house and then uh, it's going up over... I remember I had a friend who bought a house and it went up £1,300 per week for two years. That's a lot of money to make, isn't it? And, uh, and, so, and then he sold it and he moved on. And of course, the house he'd then bought, of course, that had gone up. So he's thinking he's made money, but he hasn't really made any money because he just bought another house that had also inflated. So it's not like he walked away with the money. Of course, then and everyone's going, hey, we're making money. And then suddenly this money isn't money at all. It's imaginary. It was in someone's head. It doesn't exist. And suddenly it starts coming down. Nobody wanted to listen to what the people were saying that actually... Just because it's a good time now doesn't mean to say it's going to be a good time forever. You've got to understand there are seasons in which life goes on. And tonight I want to speak about Peter because Peter's one of these guys who gets the greatest shock of his life. You know, when, when, when you go through a hard time, and I know that in my own life, when I've gone through hard times, the thing that often shocks me more than the event itself is the emotion and the reaction of myself in that event. <laughs> I'm more shocked by myself than the situation that happened. I'm more shocked by my own frustration, my own anger, my, my own um, kind of sense of personal failure, the thing that I, I didn't see it coming. I, is that sort of sense that comes, I'm so disappointed with myself. How many of you know 
what that feels like, that you, you can be more kind of disappointed with yourself than the actual event itself that happened. And, you know, Peter is a, a, a disciple of Jesus, and he's with Jesus, with his uh, friends, for three years, and they're just having a party. I mean, here they are. Jesus has called them from fishing boats. He's called them from just the most... Um, a place of where no one would know their name, no, they were the most insignificant people on the planet, and now they're with the most significant man that walked upon the face of the earth. They're Jesus' friends. They're not just Jesus, they're Jesus' close friends. And Peter wasn't just one of Jesus' close friends. He's the closest of the friends. He's one of three that hang out with Jesus all the time. Whenever Jesus is going, even when Jesus is going off to pray, he would say, come on, Peter, you come with me. Peter's the man. He's like, he's having a party. And, and he doesn't recognize that times are going to change. And so in his life, he's just having, it's going to be a good time. We're going to hang out together. We're going to have this amazing time together. And because he's having a great time, he doesn't want to hear that good times aren't always going to be there. And it says in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew's Gospel is the first book in the New Testament. And it says in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 26, and this is right towards the end, this is when Jesus is just about uh, to be crucified. Hallelujah! And, uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> score, right there. <laughs> that was awesome. Anyway. Matthew 26, verse 31. On the way, Jesus told them, Tonight, all of you will desert me. For the scripture says, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I've been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. You made Peter's shock right there. It says in verse 33, Peter declared, Even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter. This very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times that you even knew me. No, Peter insisted. Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. You can imagine, they're all gathering around. Yes, yes, absolutely. We'll die with you too, will we? I don't know. <laughs> Peter says, well, I suppose we will. Yes, yes, we're, we would never deny you. They're all, they're all in it together. They're going to say, we're never going to deny you, Jesus. But of course they're saying that. They've only ever known good times. They can't possibly imagine what a terrible time is like. I mean, in every other situation, there's been times when they were with Jesus and they were going to push Jesus off a cliff and then he just suddenly disappears from the crowd. He walks through them and he gets them out of a difficult situation. Jesus has rescued them so many times. He's got them out of so many difficult situations. They can't imagine. So the first thing that Jesus says to them is, you're all going to desert me. You can imagine this. What? And then he says this. I love this. He goes, he says, in verse, um, in verse 30, 31, he says, for the scripture says, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I've been raised from the dead, what do you mean after you've been raised from the dead, you're going to die? <laughs> it's suddenly this sort of shock. Now, Jesus has been telling them he's going, to be, he's going to die for ages. But they were kind of like this. I don't want to hear it. La, 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 la. I'm having a good time. I'm just enjoying life. But you see, there are moments in our life 
when we need to see and understand the seasons, there are seasonal shifts that happen in our life. That life isn't always a walk in the rose garden. Life isn't always just a smell of the roses. Here we go again. This is another exciting adventure. See, sometimes life goes belly up. And when it goes belly up, it takes us by shock. It takes us by surprise. But more than that, it exposes who we really are on the inside. And when it exposes who we really are, that's when the trouble really begins. And that's when the trouble really began for Peter. And so Jesus says to them, you're all going to betray me. But you see, they couldn't see the challenge that lay ahead of them because they couldn't see how much they needed to change for what lay ahead. They couldn't see what was going to happen. They couldn't see that Jesus was going to die. He was going to be raised again. He was going to fill them with the Holy Spirit and with power. They were going to become apostles of a church that was going to change the world. They couldn't see that. All they could see was Jesus goes around healing the sick and just putting um, Pharisees, scribes and hypocrites in their place and just getting rid of the, the powers of religiosity and all that garbage, just pushing it out of the way. Jesus upset the control of power that happened in a nation. He turned it all upside down. And they were the boys. They were Jesus' boys. They were going to hang out with him. And they just imagined that because Jesus was with them, that they're just going to carry on happy in life and it would just get better and better. And Jesus was going to establish this amazing rulership upon the earth and, and they were going to be his boys forever. They couldn't imagine that their life was going to change. You know what? This is the reality. Every single one of us go through seasons in our life and doesn't matter where you are right now, your life is going to change. And when it changes, that's when, as Cheryl said, stuff hits the fan. <laughs> we are in charge. And, uh, <laughs> so, see, Peter... Peter said in Matthew 26, in Matthew 26, you see, here he is saying, I'm never going to deny you. Jesus said this very night, and Peter says it's never going to happen. And then the unimaginable happens. Peter doesn't get it. He doesn't get for one minute that one of his friends is going to betray them all, is going to betray Jesus, He's going to be, Jesus is going to be arrested, and it's just trouble from now on in. And here is Peter. He's by the fire. He's standing some distance away from Christ who's been arrested. And here he is. And he's being accused of being one of the followers by a woman also by the fire. And Jesus and Peter, Matthew 26 verse 74 says this. He says, Peter swore. Glory to God. <laughs> Peter swore a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. See, right there, Peter was no longer Peter the disciple who heals the sick and, and, and walks with Jesus and, and does the miracle. No, he, he suddenly was the rough old fisherman that knew how to swear. <laughs> he, he, he was no longer, he was no longer the disciple of Jesus. Not anymore. See, under pressure, we always return to default. But until we meet that pressure, we'll never discover what our real default is. And so, and so Jesus allows the pressure to come. 
And Jesus comes to Peter and he says, you're going to betray me. Peter says, I would never betray you. But Peter can't imagine that he's going to go through those tough times. You see, there are moments in our lives when we go through tough times. We can't imagine what we would do. How would we react? We can't imagine. I remember at, um, when um, many years ago, um, I think it was probably Cheryl and I were only just married. We were in this church in the south of England. And in the church, there was a guy in our young adults group who was really annoying. How many of you know what that's like? There's always the person, that there was this person, and he was really annoying. He was just like, he just crossed those boundaries of personal space. He would walk up to you and grin. And you'd be like, just back away. Your breath smells. I don't, you know, just get out of my sight. And he would always kind of, and he would run up and he would grab you and he would push you and he would do those things. And, And this particular day, I was kind of running low on patience. And so I'm in church and I'm talking to Cheryl and suddenly I've grabbed from behind and I'm thrown around and just like pressure. Kevin Upton, the leader, I was a leader in the church of the young adults at that point in time. It all disappeared. I grabbed this guy by the throat. I pushed him up to the platform that we had a high stage. It was a big building. I pushed him up to the platform. I had my fist just about to pile it through his teeth when I realized I got the wrong man. <laughs> it was actually my best friend. <laughs> it was my best friend. <laughs> and he's, look, he just about pooed himself. <laughs> It is amazing what is inside of you. I was, we were both shocked because I didn't know that was inside of me until it's probably just as well it wasn't him because how do you explain as a leader of the church you've taken out one of the members of your congregation? (laughs) Jesus saved me that day. You see, you never know what is on the inside of you till the point of pressure. You get, there is a point of pressure in our life. And God allows a point of pressure that builds up in our life. Because that allows us to discover for ourselves where our default is still set. And He allows those points because slowly but surely, He's allowing us to come to a point where we reset our default. So that we're no longer the old man, but we're becoming the new. We're no longer living in that place. See, Peter was just, you see, underneath it all, he was still a rough old fisherman. Suddenly, he wasn't, he suddenly, he wasn't the disciple anymore. He was that rough old fisherman that would have been out at sea shouting at the men who weren't doing the job properly on the boat. Who was suddenly, his language turned uh, <laughs> it turned blue. His, his, his attitude turned fierce and his rejection, it just became defensive and angry and confused. And he didn't know what he was saying himself until the rooster crowed. And then it says later on in verse 75, suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Suddenly. Before the rooster crows, you would deny me three times that you even know me. And he went away 
weeping bitterly. You know, Peter had no idea what he was doing or saying. He was responding from the true depths of what was written within his heart. He was always going to betray Jesus because that was always there. He was always going to deny him because that was always there. It was always there in that I don't know him. That was always in him. He just didn't know it was in him because he was living in the good times. That's, you know, one of the, the things that is true when you're, you're battling with issues within your life. You're trying to change your lifestyle. That all the time you're not living near the old. You're living in the new. You, don't, you feel like you're free of the old. But as soon as you see the old, you can feel that connection build up again. And that's where you know whether your default has been rewritten or not. Does that make sense to you? And so here, Jesus, his words are flashed up between his face and he just begins to see. Now, what happens to Peter after this is that the next few days don't really improve much because Jesus is then crucified. That throws him into a point of confusion. Then Jesus is raised from the dead and that really confuses him. Because you want to be happy, but you're happy, but you don't know what it means. Like Jesus is raised from the dead, but he's not hanging out with us like he did. He didn't just go, ta-da! Good trick, eh, boys? And then, let's do it again. He didn't. <laughs> let's see how many times we can confuse them. He didn't play that game. It wasn't like he was like Jesus was back. Jesus, was, Jesus was, was alive, but Jesus wasn't hanging out with him anymore. Everything had changed. You see, there are seasons in our life, there are times in our life when, see, when God wants to take you on that journey, everything changes. And when everything changes, you can never go back. It's just not the same anymore. See, Peter just wanted it to be like it was. Who doesn't, who doesn't want to go back to the good times? There are many, there have been many wonderful seasons in my life, but you can't go back to them because they don't exist anymore. The thing that made that wonderful no longer exists. God has taken us on. But when He takes us on, He takes us up. You see, see, when we come to God, there is a point when He brings in the lift. And the lift will always take us beyond our natural capability and place us more dependent on Jesus Christ. And so Peter, he comes to this place that he doesn't really know what he's doing. And so this is what he does. Jesus is appearing before them on a number of occasions. They're praying in a room. Jesus is in the room. He never used to do that trick. Now he's in the room. He never, I mean, Jesus used to heal the sick and stuff. And, and now he just appears and, and disappears and And we don't even recognize him. He looks like somebody different, but we know he's the same. He talks to us the same. He talks into our heart. Our hearts burn when when he talks to us and and everything's changed. And and so the guys, the the disciples, they're all hanging out together, but they don't know know what to do. And so, so Peter, with six of his mates, they do what all they know to do. Peter goes, you know what? I don't know what's going on. I'm going fishing. Because that's what he knew to do. I'm just going fishing. Now, I love that. 
I, when I'm under pressure and I don't know what to do, it's no good trying to be the person that you're trying to be if you don't know how to be it. It's no good trying to fake that moment. If you don't know what to do, just do what you do know what to do. Because God can speak to you in that moment. I used to make furniture. I like just pottering around in my workshop. I, used, I like painting. I haven't painted or drawn for a long time. But every so often I just get out a, a canvas and I paint a picture. And I do it a lot of the time to paint, to cook, to make something, to clear my head that I might hear what God is really saying to me because I don't know what he's saying to me. I just, Peter just went, hey guys, I don't know what's going on. I'm going fishing. The guys go, Peter's going fishing. Let's go fishing. <laughs> Let's just hang out. Let's just go fishing. We don't know. And they fish all night. And so they fish all night, but they catch nothing because everything's changed. They can't go back to the, Peter's probably wondering, I wonder if I can be a, what if we just be a fisherman again? But you know, you can't go back when God is taking you forward. You can't go back when God is taking you forward. It doesn't work anymore. Now, Peter goes and he knows everything about fishing. There is, you can't tell Peter how to fish. But he fishes all night and he gets nothing. And so there they are. And from the shore, they see a man. And the man is looking at them and he shouts out, Do you catch anything? No, it's a bit rubbish. Don't know why. And he goes, throw your nets on the other side. Now, I don't know why they even listen to him. I mean, there's a man standing on the shore giving them the strangest instruction. Throw your nets on the, on the other side is not the thing you do when you're fishing. There is a, there's a side you throw the nets from. The other side wasn't the side. And here they are, experienced fishermen. And they hear a man. But something in their heart goes, oh, nothing to lose. Everything else isn't working. Let's just give this a go. And suddenly, they haul in more fish than they can barely cope with. They say, it says they caught 153 large fish. And so they brought the fish into shore and suddenly they wake up. This is Jesus. And so Peter, he jumps out of the boat. He, he, he jumps out of the boat and he swims and he staggers and he gets uh, onto the shore to meet Jesus who already has fish cooking for breakfast on the shore. You can imagine, like, you've already got the fish. Why did you tell us to get the fish? You've already got fish. <laughs> He gets the fish and he's got bread and he's making breakfast for Peter and for his disciples. Now this is the whole critical point of this wonderful story. For Peter, his life went belly up. But Jesus knew it was going to go belly up. And it never bothered Jesus any at all. You see, you see when Jesus said to Peter, you're going... You're going to deny me. And Peter's like, yeah, I'm not going to deny you. But Jesus knew he was going to deny him. And it didn't bother him any. He knew that Peter had to go through that. He knew what was Peter's default. And he knew Peter had to see his own default for him to change. So Jesus wasn't bothered by Peter's failure. Why is it that we're so bothered by our own mistakes? God knows what your weakness is. Are you with me here? He knows what your failure is. Why would you punish yourself 
for being... Peter went away. Now, I understand what it is when you make a mistake. I understand what it is when you say the wrong thing at the wrong time. You walk again, oh, why did I do that? I know what it is to feel angry and frustrated. I know what it is to complain to God and say, God, why do you hate me so much? (laughs) I remember one day, it's pathetic, really. I was riding my bike and I was really just wasn't having a good idea. Motorbike. And I'm going around this roundabout. And as I'm going around, I was late for work. And so I'm doing too much speed <laughs> on the roundabout. And the, the chain jumped off my, my uh, bike. It jumped off and locked the back wheel on the roundabout. How I even stayed on it, I've no idea. I'm skidding all over the road. There's cars flying this way and that way. And eventually, and I just got onto the road. And, I pull the, and I'm looking at it. And it's just jam- the whole thing's jammed solid. I'm about 20 miles from anywhere. And I look up to God and go, God, why do you hate me? <laughs> it's got to be God's fault, right? <laughs> why do you hate me? It's the most self-indulgent thing to do, really, isn't it? Just sort of blame God. It was my fault. I should have tightened the chain. <laughs> I should have tightened the back wheel. It was a, it was a known fault on the bike. You know, it loose, gets too loose. I should have done it, but it's God's fault because <laughs> we get so self-indulgent. And here is Peter, and he had wept. But Jesus, Jesus wasn't really bothered at all. He just said to Peter, I want you to know this is what is in you. And then when Peter sees what is in him, Jesus takes him and he says to him, In John 21, verse 15, he says, After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. You see, Peter at that moment is being given a commission to speak life into the church when he is just coming off the back one of the great failure of his own life. And for Jesus, it wasn't an issue. Why wasn't it an issue? Because Peter, it wasn't about the failure. It was about the recognition. It was about the recognition. It didn't matter how he had failed. What mattered was that he recognized he had failed. What mattered was that he was broken. What mattered was that he was disappointed. What mattered was that he knew that he loved... See, Jesus knew that Peter loved God with all his heart, with all his mind, and with all his soul. He just didn't know what was in him. And now he did. Suddenly, Jesus says, you can live in more than this. See, there's more than this, Peter. There's more than this, this world and this thing that we were doing for the last three years. There's a lot more than this. You just didn't see it. And you had, to, you had to see what was in you so that you could step and get that lift into the higher call 
that is upon your life. See, I want you to understand tonight, church, that, that sometimes life goes belly up. At that moment in time, it's time for you to recognize it's not the issue that's the issue. It's what's in your heart. And what is in your heart is this. God, I let myself down right there. I failed, but I'm sorry. And God, at that moment, says, that's good. Now we can move on. That's good. Now we can move on. You see, we see ourselves, we see our failures as full stops that makes us go back to the beginning. There was a religious... um, In fact, it was uh, Martin Luther, the the reformer back in the 15th century. He was a monk and... um, they had this sort of staircase to heaven theology that you had to be good every day. So it's going, every day you're good, you go up the staircase. And every day you're good and you go up the staircase. And then what happens is one day you're bad. You fall off the staircase. That's the theology. You fall off the staircase and you have to go back to the beginning. And then every day you're good. And, and then hopefully you don't fall off because if you don't fall off, you make it to the top. It's like playing snakes and ladders. <laughs> It should have been called Snakes and Ladders Theology. (laughs) It's like... When we mess up, that isn't point of going back to the beginning. That's a point of us recognizing our own weakness that we might grow in God and go, hey, it's not my works, it's not my strength, it's Christ's strength in me. Lord... I'm ready to trust you again. That isn't back to the beginning. That's now a projection on into a higher call, into a greater purpose, and to a more fulfilled destiny that rests upon your life. We were called for more than this. Let's stand up, shall we? You know... Father God sent His Son.